Is this thing on? Word. <laughs> this is the Rookie Sports Report, hosted by Matthew Frizzell. Four runs off the Detroit Tigers, who are the 10th worst in all of baseball. And Logan Weber. But this man was swallowed whole by a whale. Presented by 96.9, and AM 1060, ESPN, The Jock. Everybody love everybody! Come on! You know, Will Ferrell, I wish people would regard that statement or live by that statement, but there's not much love going on in St. Louis right now, especially Yee. in Carnal Territory. With that being said, welcome to the Friday edition of the Rookie Sports Report. <laughs> I about said Frizz's morning sports report because I'm so used I'm so used to having that intro. I'll like I'll hit record on my laptop and I'll say, you know, good morning, sports fans. I'm Matthew Frizzell and welcome to the Friday edition of, you know, Frizz's morning sports report here on ESPN the Jack. But nah. But yeah, we're here on the podcast two days in a row. What's going on, man? I know. We're back at it. We're back at it indeed, just so long as health stays up to par here and we don't get, of course, that five letter virus or Better yet, if we just don't get fired for, you know, philosophical reasons by Tom Ladd or <laughs> elsewhere. Philosophical differences. Philosophical differences. My goodness. Uh, I'm sure, unless you've been living under a rock and somehow listen to our podcast while living under said rock, uh, if you haven't heard already, Mike Schill and one of the more surprising moves, I believe in franchise history, was just canned yesterday. Out of the blue. I was... On my way to Neosha, as a matter of fact, I was at the Brahms out on here on Sunshine, on West Sunshine. I was going to get myself a nice little, be a little Andy Regan, myself a little cheeseburger, a little bacon cheeseburger. Mm. But the drive through line, of course, it being rush hour was long, so I looked up on Twitter. First thing I see from ESPN reporter Jeff Passan, baseball reporter, Mike showed out as the Cardinal manager. And, of course, whenever I see that kind of thing at the very first on my Twitter, I, like, look at the name, like, Jeff Passan, and make sure that check mark is there and not, like, that circle with the seven on it imposing as the check mark. And I looked at it, and I'm just like, no, that's that's legit. It's it's Jeff Passan saying that Mike Schilt is out as the Cardinals manager. And reasons for said firing, per John Moselock, Oh, uh, we let him go for philosophical reasons, uh... Uh, we wish Schilt nothing but the best. Uh, you know, we, uh, 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 what bow tie do I have on today? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, what uh, are we doing? Uh, what, what's going on here? What, am I, am I awake? Am I, am I dreaming? Am, are we here right now talking about this? No. What, what the hell is going on? Why, why? Why did we get, why, we, I'm saying we. Why did the St. Louis Cardinals get rid of John, or John Moselak? They need to get rid of John Moselak. Why did they get rid of Mike Schilt? I, I, I'm having a hard time trying to comprehend it, and apparently a lot of other people in the sports world are having a hard time comprehending it too. Mike Schilt came in to this ball club, I believe, in the middle part of the, either the 2017 or 18 season. The team went on a good run in his short tenure there. Didn't make the playoffs, but of course they didn't make the playoffs thanks to the work of now Royals manager Mike Matheny. But then in 2019, he wins the National League Manager of the Year with the St. Louis Cardinals, leads them to a NLDS upset over the Atlanta Braves, 
Then, of course, they got swept by the Washington Nationals, which, to be fair, they wound up being the world champions. Okay, he came in in 2018, had a record of 41-28. and 28. That's pretty good for a guy that's managed how many games? What's 41 plus 28? 69? Yep, 69. Nice. Uh, nice. Anyway, uh, then in 2019, goes 91-71, wins the NL Central, wins the Division Series, gets swept by the Nationals. Okay, whatever. It was a frustrating series for the Cardinals or whatever. Excuse me. You know, that's just baseball. It's postseason baseball. Then in that shortened 2020 season, he goes 30-28. and 28. They make the playoffs, lose to a more talented team in the San Diego Padres in three in that wild card round. Okay, whatever. This season, and to be fair to the Schilt haters, yes, the Cardinals were supposed to be at the top of the NL Central. They were supposed to be winning that, but the Milwaukee Brewers pitching and their staff kind of carried them to an NL Central title. But you cannot disregard a 90-72 and season with a 17-game winning streak, the longest in over half a century, longest in Cardinal history, by the way, Cardinal's franchise history. They win it 90-72. They win 90 games and lose 72. And they force a one-game playoff against the best team, or the second-best team, I should say, in all of baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and lose it off a walk-off home run, which, once again, is just baseball. It, it, it just happens. And quite frankly, the Dodgers should have won that game. They're the better team. They were the better team. And obviously, they're now the better team of the Giants and Dodgers, but we'll get to that here in a moment. But 90-72, and 72, the man has a record of 252-199, and 199, and in the three full years he has been with the team, all three years they made the playoffs. And we're going to fire him for philosophical reasons. That, in and of itself, makes me kind of raise, you know, like the rock, kind of raises his eyebrow a little bit there. Because what philosophical reasons do you disagree with with a guy that has won more games than he has lost and has led the team to three playoff appearances? Tell me. I, 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 I don't know. I know, I know some fans who didn't like Show are saying, well, now they're making a, they're going to make a general commitment to uh, uh, get a new manager so that they expect more than a wild card berth or a division series berth. How about you get different players? And then you can talk about getting a new manager. Get players that will get you to a championship series and a World Series, not ones that get you to a wild card, Mosellock. Manager's not the problem. It's who you bring in that's the problem, player-wise. And we're going we're gonna to blame Mike Schultz for the fact that the Cardinals have made it three straight playoff appearances. Yeah, it's a it's a tough situation. You know, I, I distinctly recall two or three months ago, there were a lot of people calling for Mike Schilt and John Mosellock's heads on a platter. They wanted them fired. Now, you were definitely more on the fire Mosellock wagon than the Schilt wagon, but you did mention firing Mike Schilt at points during the year. But, you know, it would have been a possibility. Yeah. yeah, you win 17 in a row, and that can solve a lot of problems. As we've said numerous times, you know, you went from being an afterthought to being the number two team in the wild card, and you ended up winning 90 games when it looked like you might get to that 80 win plateau, and that was about it. But yeah, just uh, it, in, in this article that I was reading this morning um, from Bradford Doolittle of ESPN, uh, just the title of the article ta- talks about this situation so well and, and, and puts it in, in a great perspective. The, the title of the article just says, Cardinals fans deserve a better explanation for the Mike Schilt firing. And they absolutely do. No, philosophical differences is not a, a, a re- I mean, yeah, it's a reason to fire somebody, but that's too vague of a comment. 
like he says in his in in the second paragraph of this article, you know, it, it was it was as best as I can gather an out of left field b- statement based on quote philosophical differences unquote a term that have has about as much meaning as saying wow there's weather outside today. Yeah, like it's. Obviously, if you're going to fire somebody, it, you're not going to fire somebody because you like the guy or you like his ideas, right? But to fire somebody who, like you said, just took you to a wild card berth, but that's sports, man. You know, that's just sort of how sports work. You know, Nebraska fired Bo Pelini after a 10-win season. The Chargers fired Marty Schottenheimer after they went 14-2 and and made the play. I mean, got a first-round bye and lost to the Patriots in the divisional round. You fired Marty Schottenheimer after making the playoffs and losing to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Really? But they did. That's just how sports are. You know, it's not a guarantee that if you make the playoffs, you keep your job anymore. But I agree with you 100%. This, this firing doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, and and to say that, you know, he's saying, oh, we just parted ways. No, you didn't. You fired the guy. Don't sit there and and try to sugarcoat the situation. Two weeks ago, they were going to discuss an extension with Schilt after that historic season (laughs) of last season. Yeah, they won 90 games, but like I said, they won 17 in a row to get to that spot. And now, out of the blue, you're just going to fire him for philosophical reasons? Yeah, and this is a guy, uh, Mike Schilt, who... I mean, yeah, you want to say that he's been the Cardinals' manager, the major league manager, since about midway through the 2018 season. But this guy has been attached to this St. Louis Cardinals program since 2004. He started his MLB career as a scout for the St. Louis Cardinals and then became a a coach in the Cardinals' single-A affiliate, right? And then worked his way up. as He was part-time at the time then works his way up to a full-time position in 2006. And then in 2007, he became the, the, the manager of the single-A affiliate. You know, worked with the spring training staff. And then in 2008, he became the hitting coach for Johnson for Johnson City Cardinals. And then in 2009, he became the manager. And, and just sort of slowly worked his way up. You know, he became the manager for three seasons for the, for the Springfield Cardinals here, here in town for three seasons. And then became the manager of the Memphis Redbirds for two seasons. And then in 2017, he was the quality control coach for the for the St. Louis Cardinals. And then in 2018, or and then during the 2017 season, they they fired their third base coach. Schilt becomes the third base coach. And then that offseason, they hire a new third base coach. He becomes the, the bench coach in 2018. And then Matheny got fired. And on July 14, 2018, Schilt becomes the interim manager and then the manager. The last three seasons. It's just a bizarre sort of dynamic. You know, this is, I, I don't know. And maybe, I, I don't want to speculate, but he got ejected five times this season. Okay. Is that a lot? Like, I'm not really sure. Sh- uh, five seems like a lot of ejections to me. Yeah, it is, but I mean, there's no reason for you to get fired for it. Being ejected. But... Frank Cusimano, one of the Cardinals beat writers, wrote this up, or actually he's a sports director at KSDK. He wrote this up perfectly in a tweet, tweeted, I believe, yeah, 19 hours ago. The thing that gets me about this firing is that when it's done over the phone, 18 years in the organization and a phone call ends it, it's not right. And how can it be right? I I really 
Yeah, and do you want to know? You want to know something that's very interesting? That Mosaic fires him for philosophical differences. Do you want to know how Mike Schilt got his first coaching job? How'd he get it? Based on a recommendation from John Mosaic. Yeah, they both came up through the Cardinal organization together. Of course, Mosaic up towards the higher brand, like up towards the front office. Right, you know? the executive side the of it. The executive side, and Schilt was kind of at the bottom. But you bring him up. Y- y- what kind of philosophical difference in the past 18 years have you worked with together? Why couldn't it be resolved in part to him being fired? Like, why? what could not be solved in philosophical differences? I don't understand. I really don't. But it's Mike Mosellock, you know? John Mosellock. John yeah. Mosellock, sorry. Yeah, he's the he's the boss. It, President of Baseball Operations. It's, right, and he was, the gen, he was the general manager for a decade prior to becoming President of Baseball Operations, and you won a couple of World Series during that time. You know, it, it well the Hall of Fame coach in Tony La Russa, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna disagree with you. But he is, you know and a generational talent in Albert Pujols, yeah. Right. He he yeah. Okay, but he was a part of the the bringing in of Pujols during his time as a scout. And then he was the guy he traded for David Freeze, he traded for Matt Holiday, you know. He he did a lot of that stuff. He brought in Edgar Renteria. You know, it, it's... I don't know. You know, and I, from what I'm hearing now, Schultz going to make a statement about it on Monday. And I hope Schultz burns all bridges with the St. Louis Cross. I hope he goes into full detail what Mosellock said because he feels numb about this. That's what he's saying. He feels numb about this entire situation and I hope he goes into full detail. I hope he burns every bridge in St. Louis, and rightfully so. And he goes and gets another coaching job and kills it. Because Schultz is a good baseball man and a good man in general. Yeah. And the fact that he just gets fired out of the blue after, like I said, two weeks ago, two a week, two weeks ago, there were tweets discussing a possible extension with Mike Schilt and the St. Louis Cardinals. And yet, here we are now sitting here inside the Jock Studio, which is who we're presented by, of course, 969, 999, and 1060 AM ESPN, the Jock. We're presented by them sitting here in the studio on October 15th, and the Cardinals, after making the postseason, don't have a manager. What a world we live in, especially if you're a Cardinal fan. Royals fans in Kansas City just laughing at us from afar, just laughing at our entire situation. Yeah, and I... Mosellock has done a good job. You know, this situation, it leaves you scratching your head, obviously. But that's part of the job. You know, as a general manager, as the president of baseball operations, you sometimes have to make decisions that that anger a lot of people. This is not the first time that Mosellock's had to deal with something like this. You know, he was the one that lowballed Albert Pujols, if we all remember that correctly. Oh, yeah, we all, all St. Louis fans remember that one, yeah. Yeah, after offering initially a five-year, $130 million deal to Albert frickin' Pujols, and then gave him a $200 million deal over 10 years, in which he later, you know, of course, ends up signing for $254 million over 10 years with the Dodgers. Angels. What? Yeah, it was the Angels. My fault. Wrong Los Angeles. I, said, I read okay. Los Angeles, and right. like, for some reason my brain said Dodgers. Well, it was okay, the Angels. Look, it's the Anaheim Angels, okay? Like, they're not Los Angeles. Yeah. It's the Anaheim Angels. But no, it's the Los Angeles Angels of, of Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah. yeah, it's stupid whatever. Ass, stupid ass name, but ugh. And 
you know, uh, I always look back at that at that situation, and then I think of I don't know if a lot of people remember this. Do you remember um, when Albert Pujols' wife went on radio? She went on a on a sport on a sports radio show in St. Louis and just dismantled the Cardinals. Not surprised. She just ragged on the entire organization, saying that the 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 offer was an insult. They lowballed him. You know, I'm not surprised. They told by him it. that they wanted him to be a Cardinal for life, and then offered him. That deal from Mosellock, that doesn't surprise me, not one bit. But you know what? I will say this: if the narrative is true about Mosellock wanting to get a better manager than Mike Show, which I don't know if he can find, then back up that new manager with new, better players. Be yeah. active in the offseason. Make this team on paper a World Series contender. Don't make them an NL Central contender. Make them a World Series contender. Make them a pennant winner, contender. Don't be content of having Paul DeYoung at shortstop or, you know, whoever the hell's playing second base. I guess it's now Tommy Edmond who had a good year. You know, get some quality pitching. Hell, go out and get Max Scherzer. You've just cleared off a lot of cap space by getting rid of Carpenter and Martinez off your books. I know you just re-signed Wainwright to $17 million, but I know damn good and well the Cardinals have money to spend. And they can go out and get players that'll make them a contender. It's just a matter of if, if, Logan, if John Mosellock and his stupid bow ties wants to do it. <sighs> yeah, and, and I, I rag on Mosellock for the Albert Pujols situation, but it it really, maybe, I mean, it looked like Mosellock saw something that a lot of people didn't see because Pujols did drop. You know, his first couple of years in in with Anaheim, he had good years. They weren't definitely weren't the same caliber year that we saw from him when he was in St. Louis. I mean, his last year in St. Louis, he batted 299 with 37 home runs and 99 RBIs. His first year in in LA, he hit 285 with 30 home runs and 105 RBIs. But then the next year, he batted 258 with 17 home runs and 64 RBIs, and he only played 99 games. You know, he he definitely fell off. And I, maybe Mosellock saw the writing on the wall because in 08, he bats 357, right? 09, he bats 327. 2010, he bats 312. 2011, he bats 299. So there's a four-year stretch there where his average slowly drops every single season. So maybe he saw the writing on the wall. Now, Pujols has still managed... To stay around the league and do the do his thing, you know he had he had that year in 2015 where he hit 40 home runs, but he hasn't been the same Albert Pujols that we saw in St. Louis whenever he left and went to the went to the Angels. So it, it's not a terrible situation letting Pujols leave. Now looking back on it, if you're John Mosellock, but this is a situation that definitely leaves you you scratching your head. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what this situation calls for, but it, it's, it's going to be beyond philosophical reasons. That's for damn sure. Yeah. That's such a low, I, such like and maybe simple BS term that Mosellock came up with. Maybe it is because the Mosellock has a guy in mind. You know, maybe there were some things that Schilt was doing that Mosellock disagreed with and... Mosellock had a guy already teed up. 
Maybe that's the situation. Maybe Mike Mosellock has a guy in his head thinking this guy's going to be the next manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't know who it could be. You know, uh, and it seems like the name that the names that keep cropping up are usually, you know, the the, the top three or four guys are all guys within the Cardinals organization. Yeah, Ollie Marmol, Stubby Clap. Yeah, maybe an external factor, but ah. yeah, I, I I'm know. seeing Jose Aquindo, um, the the minor the minor league infield coordinator. Yeah, and the other name that I'm seeing popping up over and over again is Skip Schumacher, who was just fired by the Padres. Well, him and his staff got fired yeah, when not, Jace Tank Not two months ago. Schumacher's a good man, though. I think he'd make a good manager. Yeah. Former Cardinal. Good baseball mind. He was just in a really bad situation with San Diego being the bench coach behind Jace Tingler. But, yeah. We'll, we'll just so have to even, wait and yeah, see. So even still, uh, Skip Schumacher, who looks sort of like an outside hire, is still a guy who... Is very much affiliated with the Cardinals. Well, yeah, organization. he's had his best seasons with St. Louis, and it'd be perfect. It'd be, a, I think, it'd be a perfect fit if he just goes back to St. Louis and is back with that staff because he knows a lot of the people there. But we'll have to wait and see. That's all you really can do, and it's, I don't know. It's, it was shocking. Like I said, I was just, you know, ordering some food at Brahms, getting my lunch before I drove off to Neosho and to call a softball game. Which was a really good game, but had a really horrible ending. It's like it was like watching Avengers Endgame and having just like the worst ending ever. Like it, just having the ending of which you're just like, what did I just watch? But anyway, that's besides the point. And that came across the wire. Jeff Passman reporting. Mike Schilt, no longer the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, sticking with baseball, the final game of the division series round in Major League Baseball was played last night between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants, and in a pitcher's duel in which, well, I'm kind of spoiling it now, in which Max Scherzer got the save, the Los Angeles Dodgers win it and move on to the NLCS by a final score of 2-1. to one. It was a pitcher's duel throughout. Neither team could score for the first five innings. Then both teams traded runs in the sixth. The run for the Dodgers coming on a Corey Seager RBI double. Dan Ruff had a solo home run for the Giants in the bottom of the sixth. Score was 1-1 to up until the top of the ninth when Cody Bellinger hit an RBI single. They made the score what would be the final score, 2-1. to Kinley Jansen got the win coming out of relief for the Dodgers. Camilo Duvall got the loss coming out of the Giants' bullpen. And, of course, I didn't realize this until I woke up uh, earlier this morning. Game ended in a very much controversial way when Wilmer Flores did not check his swing on a pitch outside. It was Totally obvious he didn't swing. It was a brutal call. But that ended the game, and the Dodgers move on to the NLCS. Yeah, surprisingly enough, it wasn't Angel Hernandez that made the call either. No, it was like Gabe Morales, I think, was what Yeah, his name was. if it would have been Angel Hernandez, this oh thing would have been astronomically It would have been bigger. nuclear, yeah. Yeah, everybody everywhere would have been talking about it. Even more than they already are, because it's obviously, you know, it's a controversial call, it's a big game. Right. But I was... Really, really surprised with how the Dodgers went about their pitching in this game. You know, because like coming into it, right? We talked about it yesterday morning when we Urias were doing was going to start. Yeah, Julio Urias was supposed to start. The and he still pitched the majority of the game. He pitched four innings, but he did it in relief. They start with Neville, who goes a full inning. Then Gratterall goes a, goes an inning. 
Uh, Julio Urias comes in, pitches four. Trinan comes in, pitches an inning. Kenley Jansen comes in, pitches an inning. Max Scherzer pitches the ninth and gets the save. Like, what the hell is going on? Max Scherzer is who comes in as your freaking closer? What? Like, that's terrifying. That's video game kind of stuff yeah. right there. Meanwhile, Logan Webb is over there in the Giants bullpen just freaking dealing. He goes seven full, allows one earned run, pitch strikes out seven. I mean, he was lights out. Rodgers was lights out. Gosman was lights out. Doval gave it up, man. Pitches two-thirds of an inning, gives up two hits, and that earned run to Cody Bellinger that loses them the game. But, I mean, my God, what a series. What a series. I don't know how the World Series can top that. That series should have been seven games. I'm frustrated it wasn't a seven-game series. And I wish that series went to the Giants because I can't stand the Dodgers. And once again, we're going to have another NLCS between the Braves and the Dodgers, a repeat of 2020. And Yeah, and like everybody's talking about, you know, Seager's RBI and Belly's RBI. Can we talk about Mookie Betts a little bit? Man went four for four, yeah. Yeah. Four for four with a stolen bag. Four singles, though. I but mean, yeah, I, four I hits lo- is four hits. Yeah, four hits is four hits. He got on base all four times. That batting average so far this postseason is 450. You're, of course, giving props because he's a former Red Sox, of course. I... <laughs> man, I, I miss my boy Mookie, man. Hey, I do. at least the Sox are in the ALCS, which begins tonight. You know, it was that was a rough that was a rough off season for Celtics fans. You mean Red Sox fans? No, or just just I, I should say just Boston just fans Boston in general. Because <laughs> Kyrie, Kyrie, you know that situation fell apart. <laughs> That's and, another topic we can talk he, about. And he leaves. You know, Kyrie goes to Brooklyn. Thank God. Yeah, now it's a train wreck that over there. That wolf. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what you have to say about that oh, situation. That's, is yeah, that's, that's a situation that could definitely be talked about and is being talked about a lot, but uh, I'm not touching that. Nah, uh, I'm, I'm not touching that with a 50-foot hard, pole. Hard no. The, the, guy, the guy's got some issues, okay? He, the guy, he's the Kanye West of the NBA. Like, that's how I describe the man. <laughs> he, he's got that's some— a, That's a good—what uh, would you call that? Comparison. That's yeah, comparison. he's got some issues, okay? You know, I knew Kyrie was a little off with the whole flat earth thing, and it slowly just— Deteriorated from there. I think his brain's pretty flat. If I can, yeah. Ask but me. the Kyrie, Kyrie, that whole situation sort of folded in on itself, and that was a really, really bad scenario. So he, you know, we get rid of him. He goes to Brooklyn, and then Mookie demands a trade out of Boston, and Mookie goes to L.A. And I love Mookie to death, and I was sad to see him go, and I was mad for a while, but. It is what it is. You he got was Verdugo looking, out of the deal, though. We did get Verdugo, and Verdugo's been very, very good in the postseason. You know, he's he's done. He did what he had to do, and, and he found a better situation for himself. And, you know, the, the, the for the people in, in Boston or just MLB fans that are like, oh, he just went to L.A. to ring chase. He won a t- he was the World Series MVP yeah. in Boston. Yeah. He he's won won, a, he won a World Series in Boston. He won a ring in 18. Yeah, come on, yeah. guys. The guy's not, the guy's got his. I mean, he's got his ring. He's a top five player in Major League Baseball. Like, the guy wanted a better situation and he found one. And then the Dodgers gave him a hell of a lot of money. Yep, and he'll stay a Dodger for the rest right. of his career. Yeah. It, it is what it is. He found a situation that fit better for him. I can't be upset with that. But he was fantastic last night. Four for four, scored that run uh, off the Seager hit. So it, it is what it is. He did his job, and. You, you got to respect that, and you got to respect the what the season that the Dodgers were able to put together, man. You know, and, and that's frustrating. You know, I mentioned that the if the Dodgers losing to the Cardinals, 
you know, you win 106 games and you lose in the wild card. Well, winning 107 games and losing in the divisional round is kind of frustrating too. And seeing a team like the like the Braves, who had the fifth best record, yeah, had the fifth best record in the National League. They're in the NLCS. They had a worse record than both teams in the wild card. That's baseball. And they're in the and they're in the they're in the NLCS. They are in the National League Championship Series because the seeding in the Major League Baseball playoffs is flawed. It needs to get fixed. I I, I truly believe that. I love the way that the NBA goes about their seedings. You know, yeah, you can you know you can win your division. You know, and you can put the banner up like, oh yeah. The, the the Brooklyn Nets or the divisional the 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 Atlantic Division champions or whatever. Oh, that's that's pretty interesting. That's kind of cool. What seed you get? But yeah, yeah, you're the three seed because nobody cares that you won your division. If there's two teams, you know, in in a different division in the Eastern Conference that have a better record than you, you don't get. You don't get in. You don't. You don't get a top two seed. You know, and that's. I feel like that's the way it needs to be. They put too much stock in divisions. That's save that for college sports, in my opinion. Save that for college sports and even the NFL to a certain extent. I get it. I get it within the NFL because that's who you play. You know, that's it. Sort of flows better within the NFL. But the NBA and Major League Baseball, with the amount of games that are played, it doesn't it doesn't work the same, in my opinion. You know, in, in the NFL, there's 17 games. Seven of the 17 games you, or excuse me, eight of the 17 games you play, no, six, six of the 17 games you play are against teams within your division. You know, the majority of the games you play are going to be from within your own division. You're going to play games against the other divisions within the league, but you're not going to play six games against the NFC East when you're in the NFC West. It doesn't work like that. Right. Major League Baseball, yes, you're going to play, what is it, 60, 50 of your 162 games against the teams within your own division? Yeah, 19 you play, times four, yeah. Yeah, so, that 19 times four. So that's going to be 38, 57, 70... Three? No. 76. 76. 19 times 4, 76. You're going to play 76 of your 162 games against teams within your own division. That still leaves 88, 80, 86 games. Yeah, 86 games against the rest of the against the rest of Major League Baseball. I just, I don't know. It, it seems to me like it makes more sense to just seed it based on who has the best record and what. Yeah, 86 games. You know? That's just sort of the way I feel about it. And, like, especially this year. You know, the Giants and Dodgers go out and each win 105-plus. Despite the Padres being third in that division, being above 500. You know, it, it, it's... It just... It, it, it boggles my mind... That they played in a division that was that good. Now, yes, the bottom two teams in that division weren't. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and act like the Diamondbacks were good. 
because they weren't. And the Rockies, yeah. And the Rockies. They were really bad, is what it is. But those top three teams were very good. And the Dodgers and the Giants had to play each other a lot. The Dodgers had to play the Padres a lot. The Giants had to play the Padres, play the Padres a lot. And they had to play other teams, you know? The Dodgers played, it seemed like the Dodgers played a ton of series against the Cardinals in the last couple of months of the year. They had to play the Brewers. They had to play the the Angels of Anaheim, right, with, with Otani and, and stuff like that. And then they didn't have a great year either. But it makes more sense for me within Major League Baseball, similar to the NBA, seed it based on record, you know, not based on division winners and stuff like that and it's just sort of how I feel about it. And and maybe Cardinals fans will agree with me because the Cardinals would have avoided a wild card if that were the case. Something that could be yeah, excuse me. Something that could possibly be brought up in the new CBA. That's for sure, which is of course it expires on December first, but of course we're playing postseason baseball now, so that's, you know, kind of that we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right. Kind of scenario. Of course, tonight you got game one of the ALCS kicking off. It's going to be on FOX on Fox. First pitch set for 7.07 in Houston. Chris Sale will go for the Red Sox. Frember Valdez for the Strohs. All right. uh, Last night, of course, the NFL, what is it now, week six season kicked off? Week seven? Week six, yes. Week six. I about said six. Week six? Yeah, week six. Week six, I'm telling you. If your fiance Un, ever has undo, to work, undo twakat sank set wheat noof. I'm telling you, if your Deece. girl, if your girlfriend who's a speech pathologist ever has to work with me, she'll reconsider her no, career. No, you didn't say it wrong. You just said six in French. It's fine. Cease. <laughs> anyway, week six started last night in Philadelphia with the Eagles hosting the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers took care of business. A lot closer game than it should have been, but uh, final score twenty eight to twenty two. Uh, Tampa Bay jumped out in front early on and never looked back, scoring 14 in the first, 7 in the second, and 7 in the third. Philadelphia put up 7 in the first and then put up 7 in the third and 8 in the fourth. Uh, Tom Brady was pretty good, outstanding to be matter of fact. 34-42 for 297, two touchdowns and a pick. Jalen Hurts was 12 of 26 for 115 in one touchdown and one interception. And, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Defending Super Bowl champions, all 22 of their starters from last year's Super Bowl team are back, and right now playing football like they are the defending champions. Yeah, and it's watching the game last night because I w- I sort of you know did did as much as I could, sort of flipping back and forth between the Thursday night game and and the the Dodgers Giants game. Um, I spent probably I I definitely spent more time watching the Thursday night game than than the other game because there wasn't a lot of scoring going on. Of course, a two to one finish. Um. I don't really have the patience to sit there and watch a low-scoring baseball game. But I was concerned watching this game. Because, yeah, the, the Eagles kept it close, certainly. You know, Hurts uh, didn't throw the ball particularly well, but he, did, he had two rushing touchdowns. He finished with three total touchdowns on the game. You know, he had 10 carries for 44 yards. Miles Sanders had nine for 56. And so they did a good enough job to stay in the game. And the the Buccaneers defense did enough to stay in the game. You know, the the they ran for 100 yards. L- Leonard Fournette had 22 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns, but they only allowed the Bucs to th- run for 3.3 yards a carry. That's that's going to get the job done in, in terms of your rush defense. But I was really concerned watching this game in terms of 
thinking as a Chiefs fan. Because if you'll remember, the, the Eagles played the Chiefs two weeks ago. And Hertz went 32 for 48 for 387 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And then in this one goes 12 of 26 for 115 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Hertz looked like a world beater against that Chiefs secondary two weeks ago. And then the Buccaneers made just Jalen Hurts look like a second-year quarterback. And so that makes me very even more concerned than I already was about this Chiefs secondary. And then the Eagles went ahead and when the game ended, or I should say this morning, made a blockbuster move. You want to know who caught that touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts last night during the Thursday night game? Who? Zach Ertz. Ah, who's now a 49 or not a Arizona Cardinal. Cardinal. And they traded him this morning. Wrong red team, my bad. Yeah, yeah. so he, he catches a touchdown pass uh, Thursday night football. Friday morning, he wakes up to a phone call from the Eagles front office and said, hey, man, pack your you're bags, going you're to moving desert. to Arizona. Yeah. Which get I'm get sure, the hell out of Philly, go to the desert and dry up. Yeah, which I'm sure Jalen Hurts is not, you know, he's probably a little bit disappointed. He spent his entire career in Philadelphia, but... St. Louis Cardinals, or the... Oof. They used St. to be Louis. the St. Louis Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Eh, pretty good. Kyler Murray's having a great year. And this Cardinals defense looks like the real deal. And you just got you just got Kyler Murray another weapon. Along with D Hop. Right. And AJ Green. Right. And Chase Edmonds and Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk. Ooh. And Ronald uh, Ronald Moore. Right. Yeah. I want the Cardinals. Rondale Moore, excuse me. I want the Cardinals to win. I really do. Because like for for the past decade, they were like the running joke of the league, being like the old man retirement home. Like they, they of course had that one playoff run uh, when they had Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. They also had, I think, Carson Palmer in there at one point, and they made the made they played at least one playoff game. Yeah, they went to a Super Bowl with Kurt Warner and yeah, lost to the Steelers. Lost to the Steelers, yeah, that Iron Curtain, but or the Steel Curtain. My bad. James Harrison took that pick six back like ninety four yards. Or yeah, something crazy. Yeah, sorry, Arizona Cardinal fans. But anyway, yeah. Arizona just gets better and better. The rich get richer, and you know, hopefully, they get rich enough to win that they're the NFC only, West. They're the only undefeated, undefeated team, though that may be in jeopardy as they play the Browns this Sunday. Yeah, the Browns just lost to the Chargers, so it means they're they're due for a bounce back. I suppose that's true, and it's being played in Cleveland in the in the dog pound. The Browns are third in their division right now. Oh yeah, who behind the Bengals and the Ravens? Ooh. The Bengals are the Bengals are in second place in the AFC North. Steelers are in dead last. Shocking. And you'll see, and you'll see or hear no sympathy from me in the fact that the Steelers are in last place. Yeah, big big Ben struggling. Ah, that that is true, but like I said you won't see much of but, any. But you know, I'm not going to sit sympathy. here and talk crap on anybody because, you know, so are the Kansas City Chiefs. Eh, they have a good chance to get back at it. Get back on the right track as they yeah, play the football true. team. But we've spent the last three weeks in dead last in our division. So, but and like I said on yesterday's podcast, if you guys do lose to Washington, you're slamming the panic button. Absolutely. <sighs> All right. You want to go through and do a little pick them on these? We haven't been able to do that like the last That's two true. weeks. I totally forgot. Yeah, it's because we just keep forgetting. We don't. We're not good podcasters. We just. We just forget what we you know, normally we, do. We are just fine. Are we? Yeah. Fine as wine. Though we're not old enough to be wine. We're, we're rookies here. We can't 
we're not aging well. We're not aging like the it's fine true. wine that is, you know, Ned Reynolds and Art Haynes, which you can of course listen to. Yeah, we're we're sort ESPN of we're aging right now, sort of like a, uh, I don't know, like a White Claw, like a hard seltzer, like something that was just like made in a truly, factory yeah. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a uh, Smirnoff uh, screwdriver. Uh, Interesting. Last night, you know what those are? Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. I also got uh, last Saturday. I kind of just relaxed at home, got a can of one of those and a six-pack of bottles of that Smirnoff screwdriver. Mm. Ah, it was a good night. Yeah, I'll just sit there and drink my beer. What kind of beer do you like? I'm a Michelob Ultra guy. You know, I have a friend up in Rolla who goes to Missouri S&T. Uh, his name's Brock, and he <laughs> we joke with him. He's like, uh, Michelob Ultra is like his ultimate sponsor because he drinks it like every Saturday, and whenever... Uh, he goes golfing with my buddies. He has like Michelob Ultra stickers on like his golf bag. <laughs> so we joke that it's like his sponsor. It is my it's my go to beer. But I, I mean, I'll drink others. I drink Bush Light and Coors Light stuff like that. You drink Bud Light? No, I can't. Don't like it. I don't like Bud Light. Uh, I don't like Miller Light at all. I think Miller Light is absolute atrocity. Um, I can't drink anything heavy. I don't like Bud Heavy, Coors Heavy. Can't do it, man. Can't drink Budweiser, dude. Ugh. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm drinking a loaf of bread. I can't stand it. Dude, it's too heavy uh, for me. Seriously, though. like I, ugh. I tried to drink some Bud Lights at a bachelor party a couple years ago, and like I got through like half the can of just like sipping it, and then I told my guys, like, hey, guys, I got to use the restroom. Took the can with me and just dumped that stuff out. I, ugh. Yeah. I can't stand Bud Light. But, I need, you know, I probably should try the light beers because I think I've had a Keystone Light before, and yeah, it wasn't bad. That's what my dad drinks. Yeah, well, it's because it's cheap. It's, the Keith Stone. It's cheap beer, but, yep. you know. Hey, if, if it gets the job done, it gets the job done. That's true. All right. We're barely old enough to be talking about drinking, and yet here we are talking about it on the Rookie Sports Report podcast. Anyway, what's just to see here? That's Today's Friday, right? It is Friday. It certainly is. All right, so the first game on the docket, it's in London. and oh, Well, we man. both, first of all, we both picked the Bucks to win last night. Oh, of course. On a podcast course, yesterday. Yes, yes, yes. That's true. So that's that a, true. that's a, that's a one. Yep. Let me one and zero on the week. Write this down on my sheet here. I know this is great commentary here. I wasn't expecting this. I was kind of shocked. Bucks at oh whoops. oh god, dude. I'm not hitting F11. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I feel like a boomer here. Bucks at Eagles. We both picked the Bucks. I. This computer is giving you fits. I, I, I'm apparently fat fingering everything. It's right got now. you. It's got you like doing code now. I know. So we both had the Bucks winning that one. Put an M and a L next to that. M for my yours truly, Matthew Brazell, and L for Mr. Logan Weber. That's All me. Right. All right. So this upcoming Sunday we have the first game. You're gonna get up for some Dolphins Jaguars football at 8:30 a.m. on a Sunday. There's no chance. Yeah, I know. I, I love I love the thought of it. I really do. The the playing in London, you know, at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, there in, in London, England. I love it. But the one in four Dolphins versus the zero and five Jaguars. I think I'll pass. Uh, well, you can't pass on a pick. So who do you got for him? <laughs> Oof. I know it's so bad. Honestly, I think the biggest winner out of uh, both of these teams is Urban Meyer because that John Gruden situation that's going on now. It's yeah, kind of taking really, some of the load really off of kind him. of put it. Yeah, really kind of put his his scenario on the back burner. Uh, this is a tough one. I picked the Dol. I do uh, some pickums with Ned Reynolds on the sports reporters, and I picked the Dolphins because uh, the Jaguars are just a train wreck. And I believe uh, 
Tua will be in action. I'm not 100% sure, and I think he's questionable right now. But even then, I trust a Jacoby Brissett-led offense from the Dolphins, and their defense, of course, is outstanding uh, against a Jacksonville team that has a undercooked Trevor Lawrence right now. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins for my pick. Yeah, I, I, I was really leaning towards the Jags in this one until I saw the news this morning that Tua was likely to start. Um, that's still a tough one. I may, you know, if Tua, if it comes out that Tua's not going to play, you maybe tomorrow afternoon or something, you know, I may, I may shoot you a text and say, hey, change my pick. I think I want to go with the Jags. But it, with Tua coming back, the Jaguars, they put up a good performance against the Bengals. They only lost that game by three. They played fairly well. Thursday night football, though. Yeah. That's kind of an outlier. And then, and then they, they sort of took a step back against the Titans. And, but the Dolphins got absolutely bull rushed by the Bucks last week also. But with Tua back, I, I agree with you. I like the, the Dolphins in this one. All right, so we're both going to go with the Dolphins. They're the Battle of Florida being played in London. I know it makes a lot of sense. All right, Bengals at Lions. You know, tell me a more snake-bitten franchise than the Detroit Lions. But I think against the Bengals team at home, the Lions will get that first one of the season. They're going to put it all together. They'll... Do just enough, I believe, to beat the Bengals at home. I'm going to go with the Lions. I like the Bengals in this one. Okay. I like Joe Mixon being able to run the football. And Joe Burrow throwing the ball. Yep. Uh, yeah, throwing to a guy like Jamar Chase, who I think is the should be the the, fir- the front runner for Rookie of the Year. Um, I, I just really like, and I think the Bengals' front four have done a good job stopping the run, and that'll make the Lions a little bit one-dimensional. You know, taking DeAndre Swift out of the game, which DeAndre Swift, he's done a great job this year of being multifaceted, catching the ball out of the backfield as well. But if you limit it to just that, you know, make Jared Goff throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times, that's only going to help your team. I like the Bengals in this one. All right, so write that down. M has the Lions, L has the Bengals, and hopefully the Bengals take the L. All right, just for my sake. Vikings at Panthers. This game could actually be... A good one. I mean, Vikings right now are two and three. Panthers themselves are three and two. Uh, the Vikings in Carolina are two and a half point favorite, but I'm not buying it. Uh, I think the Panthers, they've lost two straight, but I think they're going to get it back together and defeat the Vikings in Carolina, North Carolina, and win it. Yeah, this one's tough for me because. You know, this looking at it, you would think that this would be like almost a done deal. You know, I would take, I would definitely take the Vikings in this one. But here's the thing I'm now definitely taking the Vikings because Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, all three are off the injury report. All three look like they're going to be able to go. So you're going to go with the Vikings. I am going to go with the Vikings. I think the I think the Carolina defense shuts them down to an extent. They do just enough to get back. And of course, another big problem that they're going to have will will CMC play? Will Christian McCaffrey play? I hope he does. One for the purpose of my pick, and two for the purpose of my fantasy league. I actually got I want I once again went one and one last week in fantasy. I won in the league that I'm not making money in, and one in the league that I'm that I am making money in. One and one. I can never go two and oh. I can't. Ugh. I wish I'd win more in my $50 league than the one that I played with just my friends for free. But. Yeah, I'm three and two. 
right now in my fantasy league. And I only, you know, I only had one guy play last night. I had Miles Sanders, who got eight point six. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fret about that. That looked like a good I mean, it worked out pretty okay. Yeah, I'm looking at my fantasy team right now as I continue to write down these picks. Uh Oh man, what a snoozer. Texans at Colts. Texans are ten point underdogs in Indianapolis. I don't <laughs> this shouldn't be much of a contest. I'm gonna go with the Colts here. Agreed. Colts in this one. Yeah. Not much discussion needed for that one. Uh Sam could be really said for this next dude. If I stop ugh, if I keep fat fingering <laughs> the stupid keyboard. Uh I'm tr- I'm actually looking up how many points do I have? I'm two and three in the league that I'm putting in 50 bucks for right now so i still have time but you know kind of running out of it uh so me and logan will go with the colts here put an m and an l next to the horseshoe all right now another game that really shouldn't be much of discussion rams at giants the giants are a total train wreck they're a mash unit they got dismantled by the dallas cowboys them boys chill out in dallas Best team in the NFC East. I know that's not saying much. Yeah, that's like being the best team in like a seven and eight year old Pop Warner League. <laughs> Screw you. Who do you have for this game? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, obviously. The the, the Rams yeah, in this one. Not much. Without with no Daniel Jones, no Saquon. Yeah. The Giants are gonna get bull rushed in this one. Right. All right. Next- Matthew Stafford's putting up MVP numbers. <laughs> yeah. That's such a combination made in heaven, huh? Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford in oh, Los Angeles. I feel so good for that dude. I am so happy for Matthew Stafford. Yeah. It's incredible. You 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 somehow leave Detroit and you're somehow better. I know it's kind of a weird dynamic. Anyway, uh, this one, you know, really in this week, there's not many uh, really good games, but this one could be one of the better ones. Chargers at Ravens. The Ravens at home are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, I'm I'm jumping full on board with this Justin Herbert hype train. Number one, because he's in my fantasy league. And number two, he's just leading the Chargers quietly to an AFC West division lead at the moment. But this is going to be a tough one for him in Baltimore. And of course, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. Ah, this is going to be a tough one. I'm going to go with LA here. I'm going to go with the Chargers. I'm going to go with the Bolts. I, I don't. You know, I, I I absolutely love that pick. Um, I'm gonna go with the Ravens. I I have a lot more faith in that Ravens defense than than the Chargers defense. The Chargers defense hasn't played poorly necessarily this season. I mean, they did enough against the Chiefs, forcing all those turnovers when they beat them a couple weeks ago. But I, I've been a lot more impressed with this Ravens team this year than than I thought going in. I really didn't think that the Ravens were were gonna win their division. I didn't. I, I thought that the Browns were going to win that division. I thought the Steelers might finish second. You know, taking a look at the Steelers on paper coming into the year, I thought that they had a ton of talent, and I think they do have a ton of talent. I think, you know, Big Ben is not quite what we are used to seeing from him, and that's sort of dragging him down a little bit. But uh, I still I still like the Ravens in this one, the way that they performed this year, the way that... The, the way that... Lamar Jackson has gone about his business. I think has been very impressive. But Justin Herbert is becoming a top ten quarterback in the NFL before our eyes right now. He's been that good. He is 
he's not, and it's tough because, you know, I would say he's been a top 10 quarterback in the NFL this year, but he's still the second best quarterback within his own division because Mahomes is is, is still within the division with the Chiefs. But Herbert is going to be a superstar in the NFL, and you're going to see some some fantastic battles between the Chiefs and the Chargers over the next decade or so with those two at the helm offensively with those two teams. It's crazy what happens in a few years. We were talking about Phillip Rivers versus Alex Smith in the battles for the Chargers, but now it's now going to be <clears throat> excuse me, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Uh, speaking of the AFC West, you have the Raiders at the Broncos. The Raiders, it'd be interesting to see how they respond with the whole John Gruden situation. And with that being said... Vegas has the Broncos as a four-point home favorite. I'm obviously going to take the points, and I'm going to go with Broncos here. Uh, it's yeah, it's right now Las Vegas. It's a train wreck, and thankfully so because I, I I couldn't think of a more better franchise for that to happen than the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll go Broncos in this one. Um, I, I've been pleasantly surprised at times with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, it hasn't always been great. You know, they they haven't put up a ton of points. The, the Broncos haven't, but the defense is the real deal. This Broncos defense is very, very good, and they've lost back-to-back games. You know, they, they won their first three, playing very well defensively, allowing 13 points in back-to-back games to the Giants and the Jaguars, and then shutting out the Jets. And then they lost 23-7 to the Ravens and 27-19 against the Steelers. So... I see them in a scenario where they hold this Raiders team to less than 20 points. Because that's how you win games in the NFL. If you have a if you have a, a laxed offense, if you could hold a team to less than 20, you're gonna win the game. And I see the Raider the Broncos being able to do that against the Raiders and the Broncos being able to move to four and two. And with everything going on with the John Gruden situation and all that drama there in, in, in Las Vegas, I I think it could be an underlying issue. For, for the Raiders coming into this game on Sunday. Moving on over, now Packers at the Bears. It's a rivalry renewed, but I mean, it's not much of a rivalry when, you know, the one of the teams is really winning more over the other year in and year out. Uh, Packers are the favorites, obviously, and yeah, I don't bet against Aaron Rodgers, especially when he plays against the Bears. I'm going to go with uh, Green Bay here. The Bears. Nope, the Packers. Packers in this one, absolutely. Um you know, this is a uh, the Bears won last week, which was great to see. You know, they've uh, they've announced they're absolutely going full steam full steam ahead with with Fields. Justin Fields. Yep. The defense is really really good as it has been with the Bears for for a pretty long time. They've consistently been one of the better defenses in the NFL, but this is a Brown, a Bears offense that just two weeks ago was averaging like .8 yards a play. You know, and this is a Packer. The Packers, yeah, they got flat out punked week one. I mean, they got embarrassed during week one of the season against the Saints, 38-3. to But since then, it's been full steam ahead, and Rodgers has done his thing, scoring 35 points, 30 points, 27 points, 25 points. Doing his thing. They're gonna they're gonna do what they do. Rodgers is gonna he, he's gonna be Aaron Rodgers. You know he had his struggles week one, and everybody's like, "Oh, is this it? Is Rodgers done? This is their last ride, man." You know this is the the Packers' last dance, so to speak, quote unquote. Right? It's not the same level, obviously, 
as the last dance that we saw with Jordan and the Bulls. But I really think that the Packers are going to have a great year. They're going to win this division. They're going to finish, I don't know, 13-4, and 12-5, and and they're going to make a run. Uh, I see them losing to either the Bucks or the Rams in the divisional round in the NFC. But the the Rodgers has done his thing. One of 107 of 163 for 1,200 yards passing, 10 touchdowns. Aaron Jones has been good. Devontae Adams is, in my opinion, the best receiver in the NFL. The Packers in this one, no doubt. Packers, money line. I'm taking the Packers. Over six points. I think they win this one by 10 or 11. All right. Uh, another big game, Cardinals at the Browns. Browns are a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Arizona, but I'm not buying it, uh, which I probably should because, you know, it's Vegas odds. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals here. They just got a new tight end in Zach Ertz. Uh, Kyler Murray has been playing out of his mind. That offense is good. That defense has been stout. And the Cardinals are going to remain undefeated as they'll get a big statement win in Cleveland and go 6-0. and well, uh, uh, the first thing, Ertz won't play on Sunday. Well, right, I know, but... They, because he played on Thursday. It's going to be, like, rejuvenated. Like, it's going to... Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I agree with you. I think the Cardinals yeah, win this Mojo one. Yeah, them, yeah. Um, I've, you know, I... I'm not... I, I don't want to come out and say that, that Baker has been bad by any means, because I don't think that's the case. But the this Browns team, you know, Baker Mayfield has sort of gotten the Ryan Tannehill treatment is how I would describe it. You know, he's just, he's a guy that they rely a lot on running the football. He's got four passing touchdowns on the entire season. Because he hasn't really had to throw the ball. Had to, yeah, exactly. He hasn't had to throw for touchdowns a whole lot. And Odell Beckham is not Odell Beckham anymore. Yeah, You know, he's not the OBJ that we're used to seeing. They've got four passing touchdowns on the season, two interceptions, and they've got seven rushing touchdowns. Between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball a lot. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah, David Njoku is their leading receiver this season at 260 yards. The next closest is Kareem Hunt with 149. Odell Beckham has 124 yards receiving this season. Jarvis Landry has 80. Neither one of those guys has a touchdown catch. Yeah, No need to throw the ball to him whenever you got a running game like Nick Chubb and Kareem yeah, Hunt. That you look at it, and they have possibly more talent than anybody in the NFL, but they don't really use it all that well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, And the Cardinals have been great. Kyler Murray has put up MVP-type numbers. You know, I would say top three guys for the MVP right now are him— Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford. So I, I'll take the Cardinals in this one, absolutely. All right, so moving on from that game, up next we have the Cowboys at the Patriots. And man, oh man, I I don't want to like prioritize this as like a trap game because that's something that you kind of use for like a uh, college football thing. But the Cowboys, in every season they played, in the past decade, always have these games where they're favored. They're supposed to w- win against a team that's inferior competition. 
in which they are. They're facing the Patriots, and they're a three-and-a-half-point road favorite in New England. And I'm going to go with the Cowboys. But, dude, I, uh, I, I don't want to touch this game with a 50-foot pole because I just feel like this is the game that Dallas loses and fans go, ah, there's those Dallas Cowboys we missed before. There's those people that don't win big games, that don't win against inferior competition. So I'm going to go with Dallas here, but don't be surprised if they lay an egg in New England on Saturday. I don't think they will. And I'll give you one reason why. Stephon Gilmore. No longer there, yeah. No longer a member of the New England Patriots. That opens up the passing game a lot because Gilmore, alongside Jalen Ramsey, those guys have been the two best corners in the NFL over the last three, four, five seasons. You know, Gilmore won a Defensive Player of the Year award at corner, which is a pretty impressive feat. Without that, that opens up the passing game a lot more for Dak Prescott, who has had a really good year. The running game has looked great, especially last week. I mean, it seemed like Ezekiel Elliott could do no wrong. Tony Pollard was doing his thing like he has all year long. I really like the Patriots, or excuse me, the Cowboys in this one. And three, three and a half point favorites, I'll take over on that. All right, so we both go with the Cowboys. I'll, I'll take the Cowboys by seven or eight. All right, there you go. All right, moving on to now the night games coming up. Sunday night football consists of the Seattle Seahawks, the Russell Wilson-less Seattle Seahawks, at the Pittsburgh Steelers right now without their top wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's not out for the season. Uh, he announced that on Instagram a couple days ago. Uh, but anyway, Steelers are still a five-point favorite because, like I said, Russell Wilson is out. Uh, now in at backup is the somehow still in the league, Geno Smith. And I... Uh, Pittsburgh at home, five-point favorites. They're the more healthier team, but you kind of alluded to it. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers have kind of been a shell of themselves here this season. But I still think they pull out a win here against Seattle. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I agree with you. I like Pittsburgh in this one. You know, you lose Juju Smith-Schuster, and that's a big deal for this Steelers team. But Chase Claypool has had a great year, Um, as has Tyler Lockett for Seattle. But... That was with Russell Wilson at quarterback, you know, and when when Russ left the game, Seattle struggled with Geno. Um, Najee Harris has sort of come into his own in the last two or three weeks as a as a rookie quarterback because he definitely struggled week one running back. Right. He's come into his own in this league. Um, It's all going to come down to to Big Ben versus Geno Smith, which is I I know is a sort of redundant statement. It's going to come down to the quarterback battle. But, well, it's a quarterback league, yeah. Right, but Big Ben hasn't looked great this year. And Geno Smith, you know, when was the last time we heard anything about Geno Smith before Russ went down on Sunday, beside the time when he got his jaw broken because he got punched in the face by one of his teammates? You know, Geno Smith was great at West Virginia. He came into the league and sort of just fizzled away. Other than that storyline of his teammate who thought that Geno owed him money, they got into a fight. And the guy punched him in the face, broke his jaw, and he missed like eight weeks of the season because of it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from Geno Smith. Now, yeah, Big Ben has struggled, but I know for the most part, even a even a Big Ben that's not 
definitely not the Big Ben that we saw seven or eight years ago, you know, or even two or three years ago when he led the NFL in passing yards. We know it's not that Big Ben, but it's still Ben Roethlisberger, you know. And I, you know, even an older Ben Roethlisberger, you know what you're going to get a little bit more than you know what you're going to get out of Geno Smith because nobody's seen the guy in years. So I agree with you. I like the Steelers. All right, now moving over to Monday Night Football. Bills at the Tennessee Titans. Of course, the Bills have really come into their own, kind of establishing themselves as the best team in the AFC, not just in the East, but now in just all of football in the AFC, maybe one of the best teams in all of football right now. They are five-and-a-half-point favorite, but I'm getting the zen feeling. You know, you kind of just get it. You get a gut feeling with this game, in my opinion. I don't know why. Vegas says otherwise. A lot of people say otherwise. But I feel like Tennessee is due for a big win this season. And I think it's going to come on Monday Night Football. I'm going to take the Titans at home against the Bills. You got your mind, man. I am out of my mind. Bills in this one. Bills by multiple scores in this one. Um, what I love about this Bills team, of course, first and foremost, Josh Allen. Guy's a freak. Um, 1,300 passing yards this season, completing only 62% of his passes. But, eh, he's, he's averaging 311 passing yards a game, 12 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. He's only been sacked 5 times. He's got 188 rushing yards as well with a touchdown. Um, if, if you watch the Sunday night game, Josh Allen had that absurd hurdle to get them to a first down that pretty much sealed the game. Devin Singletary was sort of quiet in that game against Kansas City, but I see him sort of getting back on track. And this is a Tennessee team that relies a lot on the run game to set up other things. You know, they rely a lot on Derrick Henry to set up other things. You're not going to completely shut down Derrick Henry, Right. If Derrick Henry wants to rush for 100 yards, he's going to rush for 100 yards. He's just that good, you know? But what I love about this Bills team is they are really, 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 really deep up front. They run a lot of defensive linemen at you. You know, uh, guys like Greg Greg Rousseau, um, Ed Oliver, Star Latulu, I think is how you pronounce that name. Uh, guys like Justin Zimmer, Jerry Hughes, uh, uh, Boogie Basham. Mario Addison, A.J. Epinesa. They have like eight or nine defensive linemen. Harrison Phillips. They have like eight or nine defensive linemen that they constantly rotate in and out to keep guys fresh. This is the deepest defensive line in football. And that's going to bode really well for them trying to shut down Derrick Henry because what this Titans team wants to do is run the ball down your throat with Derrick Henry and wear you down. Wear down that front seven. Well, when you've got eight or nine guys that you trust to sit up front and get to the quarterback, stop the run, that's going to bode really well for you. And yeah, you could look at last week with the Bills and Chiefs game and say, well, the the Chiefs ran pretty well against the Bills. Right, because they were playing really two deep safeties, trying to shut down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in the passing game. And it worked. Well, they don't have to do that this week. They can keep the safeties a little bit further up in the box, let guys like Micah Hyde, who has three interceptions on the year right now, one of the best free safeties in football, sort of ball hawk against a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who's a great player, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. No. I really like the Bills. They match up very, very well up front in terms of their defensive line against Derrick Henry in that front five for the for the Titans in this matchup. I like the Bills in this one by, by 10 or 12 points. All right. 
And like I said, I may be out of my mind, but it's just it's just one of those feelings you're just like, you know what? Screw it. This is like going all in in a poker hand at the table. That's what I'm kind of feeling right now. It's which, sort of like going all in when you have nothing. You're just going with a hard bluff right now, my guy. You have one ace in Derrick Henry, and you're like, eh, we'll, well see what happens. What's maybe, wrong with Julio Jones? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get another ace on the river or something, yeah. you know? I am going to go to a casino tonight, by the way, so I, I need that luck coming my way. You going to play poker, or are you just going to play slots? Probably just slots. I, I like playing blackjack at casinos. Yeah, well, do you play it with people or just by yourself in the dealer? I, I, I've played with other people before. Right. Um, it just sort of depends, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I love slots. I, I, and honestly, I'm kind of <clears throat> a little too addicted to slots. But anyway, that's besides the point. Uh, I'll be doing that tonight. And No, I found this really cool feature at Downstream, which is, of course, our closest casino. I know we're getting off the rabbit's trail here. But they have these machines. So the way the building is laid out, off towards the far side of the building, there's like a concert area up like on this upper level stage. Mm. Then at the bottom, there's like a bar and a couple of like layers of said bar with chairs and stuff. And on those uh, tables, there's like little touchscreen computers where you could play like electronic poker games for like five cents a draw. It's like, it's pretty nice. Honestly, it is. Because like, just think, you just had a really bad night at the slots. You know, you've lost however many money, how much money. You just go over there, you take your little stubs of cash, it's like a dollar or two dollars or whatever, you put it in the machine, see if you can make a little bit more extra than that. You know what I mean? Nothing hurt. No little, <laughs> little bet, nothing hurt. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, you know? But, no, I found that out uh, a couple of days ago, and after I lost, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to say how much I lost, but it was a loss in general. But I noticed that after my slot playing, and it was, it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Something else I'm going to enjoy is watching the Chiefs just annihilate the football team next Sunday. I mean, at some point, the Chiefs just have to wake up and say, yo, we're the Kansas City Chiefs. We've been to the Super Bowl two years in a row, AFC Championship game three years in a row. What the, you know, what are we doing? Yeah. Let's get it together. And I think they're going to do it against the football team on Sunday. Yeah, I think the Chiefs win on Sunday. Um, I still don't have any faith in the defense. I'm starting J.D. McKissick and Terry McLaurin, the <laughs> nice. Redskins, uh, excuse me, football teams, starting uh, running back uh, and uh, wide receiver. Uh, I corrected myself. I know. We'll edit. We'll cut it out in post. It'll be fine. No, we're not. We'll edit. Oh, okay. I'm not. All right. That's fine. That's fine. You, you, cor- you corrected yourself. You run so. the recording, so I guess I'll let you. I'll let you. You do corrected your thing. yourself. I'll let it slide. I, I, well, I don't know about the FCC I'm, or, the, I'm or starting, the liberal police. I'm yeah. starting J.D. McKissick and Terry McLaurin because I have absolute zero faith in this Chiefs defense. If this Chiefs defense, you know, I don't expect them to be a team that's top five in the league defensively. You know, just hold teams to under twenty. I said it. I said it ten minutes ago. You if you 30? hold teams even under thirty, I mean, good lord, if you. If you can hold NFL teams to 20 points or less, you are going to win almost every game. Especially with how good that Chiefs offense is. But they haven't done it, you know? But this Washington team, you know, they've Taylor Heineke has shown flashes. But I don't really know. Uh, I it it doesn't seem like, he's going to be a guy that can go out and get you 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. 
But against this Chiefs defense, I'm not going to put it past them. I think the Chiefs win this game. I, I say, you know, final score in this one would be 41 to 30. A win's a win. A win is a win, but good Lord. All right. We've made our picks. We've talked baseball, more specifically postseason baseball, and, of course, the Mike Schilt firing. What else you got? Headlines. Oh, baby. It is Friday. It is. And it's time for funky, funny, I can't think of another F adjective. Flamboyant. Flamboyant headlines here on this Friday here on the Rookie Sports Report Podcast. Of course, spearheaded by Logan Weber. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, I got to reiterate, I have zero clue. Clue status zero on what Logan Weber is about to put about to say into my eardrums for my brain to process. And some of it I might not even process. But we're about to find out here on this edition of Funky Headline Friday. What do you got, Mr. Weber? All right, first headline I've got for you, just very quickly. Um, the lowest point total the Chiefs have allowed in a single game defensively is 29. Jeez. Against the Browns. They've allowed 36, 30, 30, and 38. Sounds like a good defense, yeah. <clears throat> not great. All right. First real headline I've got for you. North Carolina sisters find stranger in mother's casket. Uh-oh. Some more screwed up. Yeah, somebody somebody definitely fumbled the bag. Well, fumbled the... Literally, they fumbled a body. That's true. Two grieving sisters from North Carolina opened their mother's casket and found someone they didn't recognize dressed in their mother's clothing. In their wait, in their clo- in her clothing too. Yeah, they put this. Yeah, they they. I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, well, obviously yeah, you're the just pair, reading the headline. Yeah, you weren't there. The, my the guy. sisters stumbled upon the morbid mistake on the day of their mother their mother's viewing at Hunter's funeral home. Quote: There's no similarity in the people. Their shoe size was off. When the first person had the clothing on, she was swimming in the clothes because she was so small compared to my mother. When they told workers at the funeral home, they tried to assure them that the person was their mother. It was only once their mother's body was found to still be in the embalming room that they admitted the mess up and made a switch so the showing could go on as planned. The what show. Oh the my hell? God. The showing. Yeah. Imagine. You're grieving. Like you said, it's a funeral. It's not. You're just grieving. Tears and everything. Go over the casket to make her one last goodbye. Who the you know what is this? What the f- is this? Yeah. <laughs> I, oh man, I, I've been to a funeral. And those are I wish nothing. I I I, ooh, I I hate funerals. I really do. I wish that I don't wish that on anybody. But it's just something Agreed. we have to go through in life. But when it's when it's done wrong, it just makes the experience that much worse. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. Oh man, that's. Next That's headline. a morbid start to Funky Headline Friday. Hey, what I, else do you got? I, you know, it was sort of sad, but I, I found it a also little bit ridiculous. amusing. Yeah. yeah, a little bit amusing, too. Like, how do you screw that up that bad? All right, next headline I've got for you. Texas driver cited for using carpool lanes with skeleton passenger. Quote, authorities in Texas said a driver using a high-occupancy vehicle lane was ticketed when deputies noticed the only passenger in the vehicle was a Halloween skeleton. 
which I don't if if you don't know, Texas takes carpool lanes very very seriously. If you're using a carpool lane and you don't have somebody in the passenger seat, they will pull you over, they will give you a ticket. You have to have a passenger in the vehicle to use the carpool lane. So this person thought it would be funny, I guess. I don't know whether it was funny or they were trying to, you know, cheat the system. They put a literal like skeleton like Halloween themed skeleton in the passenger seat. You're telling me you couldn't put like I don't know, two sandbags and like some clothing on it with uh, like I don't know, a temporary face or yeah, something. Yeah, like 16-year-old kids that are trying to sneak out of their parents' house to do a better job. A skeleton. Throw the pillows together, right? Put the blanket yeah. on top to make it seem like you're, you're still sleeping? there sleeping. Yeah. Not you're saying, telling me you're telling me this guy couldn't do that with a like a person sitting in the passenger seat? Not saying I ever did anything like that. Oh no. Never. You were a good egg. You Absolutely. You were a very, very well thought of teenager and you fall in all Never. The never me. Never. All right. I ever, have a story. Ever. So. Oh, boy. I, I, I Just very quickly, my parents know this story and it, it, it cracks everybody up. So, my senior year of high school, uh, it was after, uh, I think it was after a basketball game maybe. I went over to a buddy of mine's house, one of my best friends, snuck out of the house to go over and see one of my buddies, right? And we're sitting there, we're hanging out, we're having a good time. I get a text from my little brother. So, no, I was a freshman in college at that point. I was a freshman in college, and, you know, I, I didn't really need to sneak out of the house, but I just sort of left and didn't tell my parents that sort of thing. Yeah, they wouldn't have been upset or anything, but I, I didn't tell them, and I just left. Uh, I get a text from my brother, who at that time was a sophomore in high school. It says, hey, if mom and dad ask, I'm sleeping. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I snuck out. I'm not home. Can you tell mom and dad that I'm asleep if they ask? No, man, I'm not home either. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, nothing ended up happening, right? They Parents went to sleep and nothing really came of it. But it was like, yeah, he was trying to like get me to cover for him for sneaking out. And I was like, dude, dude I can't not, cover for you. I'm also doing yeah, the same thing. He's <laughs> like, I'm not home either. So, like, if we get caught, we're both in the doghouse. You more than me because, like, I'm 19 and a college student, and you're not. So, but yeah, stuff like that cracks me up. But, yeah. I never snuck out as a kid. I'm dead serious. I never snuck out. Now, my version of sneaking out came at like five or six years old whenever I would sneak out of my bed and go downstairs and play GTA Vice City at like two or three in the morning. You know, A game that I should not be playing as a young kid, but I just was. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, sometimes I succeeded and, well, other times I failed. Yeah, the quote at the end of this article cracks me up. Quote, our deputies saw right through the ruse and issued the driver a bona fide citation. The Post said, quote, after a stern lecture, deputies wished him bon, bon voyage. Bon voyage. Now, I don't know how that now, is. Yeah, now, that is good journalism right there. That is good stuff. That's great stuff from whatever Texas article you have there. All right. I've got, two, got, I've got two more headlines for you. All right, cool. Next one. Rare Pokemon Oreos are selling for thousands of dollars on eBay. Ooh, some ooh. dude, you cannot say that. I don't care if they look like Pikachu. I am starving right now. I could I could eat a whole carton of Oreos right now. I'm serious. Would you spend thousands of dollars? Oh hell no, I wouldn't, but thou- Well, I guess they have to be that rare if they're, you know, Pokemon-esque Oreos that are going for Yeah. On what the black uh, on what the black market? Like no, eBay, like on like, eBay. Yeah, launched earlier this month, the new Oreo and Pokemon collaboration features the brand's traditional sandwich cookies, this time 
emblazoned, 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 excuse me, emblazoned with one of 16 Pokemon or pocket monsters for the uninitiated, which I don't know if a lot of people know that. Pokemon stands for pocket monsters. I did not know that. Because I've never gotten into Pokemon in my life. Yep. Each pack includes a random selection of cookies that feature classic characters like Pikachu and Charmander, but also one extremely rare Pokemon, the Mythic Mew. The Mew Pokemon. So what? These people are like spending thousands upon thousands of dollars trying to find the Pokemew or whatever? Apparently. And as long as, and has has long been the case with rare Pokemon cards, the rarest Pokemon cookie of all has become a known commodity. There so, have been listed prices on eBay for this Mew Oreo cookie for $10,000 to $100,000. Some listings promising a, quote, mint condition cookie. One claims the cookie was only handled with tongs. While others include photos showing the cookie tucked safely in a plastic baggie. Some of the there have been sales of this cookie for more than fifteen thousand dollars. I lose faith in humanity every time I hear something like this. Fifteen thousand dollars for a for I want to use language so bad for a freaking cookie. People are buying entire packs of these things off of eBay for twelve hundred bucks. Twelve hundred dollars, and there might not even be this freaking Mew cookie in the box, but they're buying the entire box for twelve hundred dollars. You can't find it. They better have like a little extra icing on them, you know, make them not make them like triple stuffed. You know, if I had known this was the case, I'd have gone to, you know, every Walmart in Springfield and bought every single one of these boxes if they even sold them here in Springfield. I highly in in Southwest Missouri, I highly doubt. Hell, I doubt half the people in Southwest Missouri know what uh, Pokemon Pokemon is. I'd you know, and I'd open each, you know, I'd I'd maybe open like half of the boxes, and I I'd had like the plastic gloves on and the tongs. Just like going through, you know, like you're, like you're conducting a surgery. You're you just could like, make hundreds of thousands of dollars off freaking Oreos. That's ridiculous. I could have paid my college tuition with that stuff. That's insane. You mean your college debt? Yeah, my student loan debt, college yeah. tuition, whatever. <laughs> you know, however, however way you want to slice it. All right, there's a lot of money there. Yeah, Either way, enough. however you want. A lot of money you have to give yeah, up. Yeah. However you want to clarify it, whatever you want to name the stuff, it's a lot of money that I'm having to pay back, which sucks. All right. All right, one more. All right, last one. Earth's quietest place will drive you crazy in 45 minutes. Yeah. And I had heard of this place before, but I had to look up an article and find it. Now, this article is old. It's from almost eight years ago. I'm pretty sure I've seen this one before, yeah. Yeah, it's a giant room, right? It's an, an, it's an, an, an echoic chamber. Yeah, Think the, reading this is difficult. It's an a n an echoic chamber, A-N-E-C-H-O-I-C, an echoic chamber at Orfield Laboratories in Minnesota. It's so quiet that the longest anybody has been able to bear it is 45 minutes. The room, the room is silent. So silent, the background noise measured inside this room is negative 9.4 decibels. It is that quiet in this room. Oh, dude, I've ooh, you're making me tingly about this because I know like what what happens to people whenever they're in this room. It's yeah, so- like you can hear your heart beating, you can hear your lungs, hear your stomach gurgling, like your body is the only sound in the room. 
And that in and of itself makes a person go crazy. Yeah, I know. It's like you're not supposed to hear like your heart beating unless, of course, you're like in like a tense situation when your heart rate goes up. Yeah. But in a room where it's what you say, negative nine decibels or whatever, you're just in there doing nothing. Yeah, it drives me insane. It, ugh, it's making me tingle. Like right NASA now. uses these built like this this room to test like how loud things are. Like it's insane. Ugh, I'm getting sh- shivers, and it's not because of the fan in here. I'm getting shivers because I I could probably make it maybe five minutes in there, but I would just lose my mind. Like I said, just hearing myself and nothing else in a silent room. Ugh. <laughs> Making me shiver on this Friday edition of, I about said sports talk. This Friday edition of the Frizz's Morning Star. This Friday edition of the Rookie Sports Report Podcast. I keep forgetting what freaking station, what show I'm doing. But, all right. Was that your final one? That was it. What we talked about. We talked about the wrong dead body, a skeleton in the carpool lane, uh, Pokemon Oreos, and now a silent room that'll make you go crazy. We're bouncing off the walls here, and I love it. Gotta, gotta love it. Well, you don't have to love it. But I mean, I guess that's, I, yeah, we you, don't, they're not going to force you to love it or right. anything. But. but, I mean, if you put a, you know, a dollar sign next to it, then, yeah, you can you can probably love it. Yeah, especially for a college student, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that at you. All right, I think that'll just about do it for this upcoming week of shows. And by week, I mean the two shows we did on Thursday hey, and Friday. it is what it is, But, man. hey, look, we're back. We're back here. We're better than ever, and hopefully we're here to stay, barring any more health issues that yours truly or Logan will have, and hopefully we'll go over a good weekend of sports. Uh, I know you got a game tonight. Uh, Where are you at tonight? I'll be at Kickapoo High School. Bolivar taking on Kickapoo, some Friday night football. I'll be back here in the studio on Saturday, running the board for MSU football, the Missouri State Bears, trying to bounce back after a tough loss to Youngstown State, which... Shout out my best friend on the planet, Mr. Tucker Quinn, who is a graduate assistant in the athletics department for um, Youngstown State, who gave me and my uh, my fiance Maggie a lot of flack for that, um, for because he was he was Missouri State, of course, was on the road right. at Youngstown, so it was their homecoming, and they had they had been struggling coming into the game, and they got a they got a big win against the top twenty five team, but Missouri State, Bobby Petrino and staff looking to bounce back, so. I'll be working the board for that, simultaneously trying to keep track of the Iowa-Purdue score as best I can. That's a 3 o'clock kickoff. You, uh, The number two ranked Iowa Hawkeyes in the country. Okay, you I know love, a lot of people don't like it. You love hearing that. Get over it. Okay, Get over Parents, it. talk to your kids about the number two ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. Because it may not happen for a long, and who knows? For a long time. Yeah. Georgia's got a, Georgia's got a matchup against number 11 Kentucky. First time in SEC history yeah, that well, two teams six and zero or better will remember, face off. Remember, Purdy's been a pain in the backside of Iowa the past four or five years. So if they lose to Purdy, that's by top five that's or even true. top ten. Purdue has been a thorn in the backside of Iowa fans to say the least. But you know they go out and Iowa goes out and get a win, gets a win on Saturday. Georgia loses. Could be standing on the barrel of your number one ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh, that dream! I'm sure. It- I'm sure it makes you sleep peacefully at night, the fact that Hawkeyes can be... It hasn't happened since my dad was 12 years old. My dad was 12 years old in 1985. Last time Iowa was ranked number one. Make it happen. It's never happened in our lifetime, man. So you better enjoy Iowa's it. Iowa's never been ranked number two in my lifetime. We've been ranked number three, number yeah. four, number five. It's happened before. 
a number one ranking and a number two ranking has never been seen in my lifetime until this week. And if Georgia, you know, Iowa keeps winning and Georgia falters, Hawks could be the number one team in the country. Indeed so. Uh, I've got a game tonight all the way up in the outstretches of Neosho. The third time I've been there in the last four days, mind you, was there Tuesday, Thursday, and now I'm going to be back there on Friday, which is today. And then Saturday, going up to Bolivar, going up to Plaster Stadium, and going to cover some SBU Bearcat football, Division II college football from the GLVC. The other, other Plaster Stadium. Yeah, the other, other, the uh, miniature version of the, Plaster the Stadium. not Missouri State. Plaster Stadium yes. and the not Central High School here in Springfield Plaster Stadium. Right, right. Now this is the Plaster Stadium up in Bolivar, Missouri, and SBU looks to get their first win, their first home win of the regular season against Truman State after coming off a big win against the William Jewell Cardinals in Liberty, Missouri. Logan, always a pleasure, and hopefully we'll do a full week of podcasts here coming up on Monday. Absolutely. For Logan Weber, I'm Matthew Result. Hey, look, don't let anyone tell you the odds. And we'll talk to you, God willing, on Monday. The Harry Potter movies are Halloween movies.